0: Hello, and welcome back to scrum Markets. I'm delighted to be joined today by Murgank Patnaik, CEO at Merkel Science. Hi, Murgank. How are you doing?
1: Hi. Hi, Paul. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so we're going to speak about uh, regulation. It's been in the news a bit recently. We've um, seen a bit of a turmoil in the markets um, over the last few weeks. uh, People kind of trying to apportion blame for the sell-off to various things. Uh, One of the topics or uh, possible causes that has come up quite broadly has been around the sense of some tightening in regulation across the the globe and um, especially out of the U.S. there's been uh, a few new proposals. Um, And in a few weeks time, actually, earlier in the year, um, FATF, um, the Financial Action Task Force, um i think in march published an updated uh, draft guidance for virtual assets service providers vasps in advance of that while we kind of wait to see what the outcomes are kind of want to maybe touch on what they've been proposing um and talk about how that might be affecting people working within the industry and before we start can we just kind of you know, just introduce Merkle science and uh, tell us
1: about the tools and services you provide yeah absolutely so um what we do at Merkle Science is provide blockchain risk monitoring tools, which uh, we provide for financial institutions, law enforcement, and government agencies, as well as cryptocurrency companies. So we have multiple tools, and most of these companies use them in combination. Uh, one of them is a compliance tool that enables you to monitor incoming and outgoing cryptocurrency funds and get a risk alert on it Uh, Our other tools include a forensics tool that helps you track stolen cryptocurrencies. So this is used by law enforcement say when the Twitter hack took place, they would use our forensics tool to track down the criminal. And um, apart from that, we also were working on multiple other tools. One of the other things that the industry has been using quite regularly now is a, a tool called Know Your Blockchain Business where we even give a risk score to just a VASP or a crypto company based on their incoming and outgoing crypto transactions.
0: Okay, thank you. I mean, um, these have become essential tools for uh, anyone operating in the space, especially you know, dealing with uh, crypto asset transactions. Um, and we'll come on to it soon. Uh, obviously, over the last year or so, we've seen an explosion of interest in DeFi and think that's caused regulators to sit up again and take notes uh, and potentially have to rewrite the the rule book. We'll we'll come on to that in a little bit more detail. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we have seen um, what seems like a uh, a general tightening um, uh, uh, of regulations or proposals for tightening of regulations in space. Um, It seems the the new Biden administration is maybe taking a bit more of a uh, a firmer tone than, than the previous administration in the US. The US Treasury uh, recently put out a proposal requiring the reporting of uh, any transactions over valued over $10,000, which I guess aligns similarly with previous requirements for cash transactions, et cetera. Um, and even miners, Bitcoin miners are, are looking at how they may need to adjust in the future um, about uh, being compliant, um, uh, you know, the, the, you know, processing transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain. I think that's a a much broader uh, topic and one for a debate for another day. I think that might be a a bit more of a difficult challenge. But, you know, it does seem that, you know, as the market's grown, naturally regulators are going to sit up and uh, and take notice. Um, So I think it would be, you know, a bit remiss to assume that that wasn't going to happen. Um, But from your, in your opinion, and working so closely on this kind of part of the sector, um, you know why is compliance so important if this industry is going to uh, continue maturing
1: sure so uh, I, I think the most important reason that regulators are implementing compliance is to keep users safe so the last thing regulators want is that um, a drug trafficker uses cryptocurrencies and manage or a money launderer manages to structure his funds in such a way that he can transfer them outside of a particular country or between countries easily. Um, so that's that's the primary reason why all these regulations are in place. Um, in fact, I think it's actually beneficial to the industry because uh, even before Merkle Science, I'd worked for a crypto exchange for a few years. And through the years, I've seen how um, crypto was always treated as more of um, a an industry that has a lot of criminal activity, and now it's being linked a lot more to financial services. So even in the um, document, the budget document that you talked about uh, from the Biden administration, there are several instances where they've talked about financial institutions, and then they've said that crypto exchanges and custodians are also part of that. Right. So I think it's, it's just the natural process of cryptocurrencies growing up where now regulators will regulate it, you can't have a move fast and break things approach to cryptocurrencies anymore or financial services. And
0: from your, again, from your vantage point and dealing with multiple actors across the trading ecosystem from exchanges to brokers to you know, uh, possibly uh, banks that are providing banking services and on and off ramps to, to crypto exchanges, um, yeah, over the last few years how have you noticed I mean how how, how have these actors kind of um, been adopting the tools such as yours um, and utilizing are they are they being proactive to make sure they're staying ahead of the curve of regulators or are they doing as little as possible uh, just to kind of uh, stay within guidelines
1: yeah so we're we're actually seeing a, a strong shift to the the second part right where we're seeing companies being a lot more proactive So these, all these segments are probably different segments and it depends on which geography they're based on as well. But to a large extent, cryptocurrency companies earlier, like they would wait till they grow big or like grow to like a Coinbase or a Kraken size or, um, or at least a series B round of funding before they start bothering with crypto compliance. You're seeing them thinking about compliance right from day one now. So I think that that's been a huge change and shift in the mentality where um, they even see this as a competitive advantage. They feel that if they're closer to the regulator, abide by the rule or follow the rules, then that gives them a competitive advantage over the others. So we've, we've seen that trend even with our tools adoption where two years ago, this was a good to have, where the larger players would get it for protection, but smaller players would still wonder if they needed this like blockchain forensics tools like ours. And now it's, it's very clear that they require our tools and there's a lot, many more questions on how can you even go beyond just the, like looking at just databases or wallet addresses, can you implement behavioral analytics that's used in traditional finance to this space, right? So the industry has matured substantially, especially in the cryptocurrency space. In terms of financial institutions, so I think, again, two to three years ago, most large banks um, had a negative stance on cryptocurrencies or would avoid cryptocurrencies because of regulatory concerns. Uh, I think that has changed in just like the last six months due to the price rise and all the regulations coming about. Uh, Most of the large banks now have a cryptocurrency strategy and they see that as part of the bank um, staying relevant with the rise of technology. So they they want to encourage cryptocurrencies. They know that their, their high network individual clients are asking for certain services and um, they've made an active push to it and you can also see that in the teams they've set up. Where Earlier I think they would just pick the only person in the bank who knows about cryptocurrency and they do some experimentation but never really implement anything. But now almost every big bank has a crypto custody arm or a digital assets arm, where they've actively started engaging with regulators on it and made a compliant system already.
0: Yeah, no, that is interesting. And I think you mentioned like um, exchanges are being much more proactive now. I I guess looking back over the years as some of these uh, young exchanges, which have become kind of uh, global monsters now, um, started out. I think that part of the frustration was that quite often They were seeking out regulation, um, but there was limited regulation being offered and the regulators themselves were being quite reticent to rush out specific regulation for crypto asset trading venues. Um, So they would mostly do what they could, you know, in Europe or in the UK, it might have just been, you know, having to conform with uh, AML registration requirements, etc. But there was always this gap that then, you know, they, they felt that prospective customers were maybe being ruled out and alienated because there weren't specific you know, actual regulations about how the exchanges should operate themselves, like might in, in other markets, in equities markets or in derivatives markets, etc. So, it's, I mean, it, it does sound like you know, we're, we're on the path to to kind of getting there to that stage. Um, and you mentioned it, it differs potentially across different jurisdictions. So if we look at the main kind of you know, main regions where uh, some of the larger crypto asset exchanges are operating, whether it's the US in Europe or in APAC, um, from your perspective, who's sort of taking the lead and who's likely to be positioning themselves to take advantage of this industry?
1: Yeah, uh, so uh, I, I think the second question, um, I mean, both these questions are, are are a little difficult to compare because every jurisdiction have has their pros and cons. So on account of that, it's very difficult to compare them on a side-by-side basis. What might be useful is just like, probably talking about the different approaches that the US has versus UK and Singapore. So um, I think now the US has been quite progressive in terms of cryptocurrencies. Um, All regulators are aware of it rather than in India or China, where they're still battling on whether they're going to deal with them or not. They have very much accepted that cryptocurrencies are here to stay. We'll regulate them. And we're also going to impose reporting requirements on them, right? And that's like the UK as well as Singapore have taken a similar approach there, where they've started regulating cryptocurrencies. Um, The US also in terms of the OCC saying that banks can can provide, uh, federally approved banks can provide crypto custody and moves such as those, like even the um, Technology Act, which talks about including blockchain in terms of like the new technologies uh, apart from AI and quantum computing. I think all of that is quite forward thinking. It definitely positions them very well towards it. And uh, Singapore and the UK, on account of their size, are definitely taking advantage of the regulatory route as well and their geography. So the UK would probably be the go-to place for a lot of European companies to register their crypto exchange. And in Singapore, it, you, you see a lot of the Asian companies or the Asia base is set up in Singapore to a large extent because of their regulations. Uh, on account of Singapore's size, they've been extremely effective in terms of not just coming up with regulations, but also constantly iterating on that based on, like, just communicating with the industry and then uh, also make, like communicating very clearly that this is what they will regulate. And for now, they're not regulating this; they will still wait for that those particular segments to evolve. So I find I've always been impressed with that approach and where like. The regulator, uh, although they continuously keep on putting regulations out there, they make sure that they hear the opinion of every player from the smallest to the biggest. So I think uh, due to their size, it's, it's been a unique advantage they've had and they could actually take the industry along with them in that respect as well. And uh, shorter term, I think you're going to hear a lot of complaints across like, all these jurisdictions because of the additional regulations. But I think longer term, it's good because uh, you will see a lot more financial institutions being comfortable entering the space because of clear regulatory guidelines.
0: Yeah, and I think um, something that I've often repeated over time is like you know, regulations are of, often uh, demand-driven. Um, you know, when an industry is still small, um, maybe it doesn't have sort of much um, you know economic in- in impact on a given jurid- jurisdiction um there's very little incentive for regulators to really go out, out of the way to uh, lay down serious frameworks um, but obviously the industry's grown massively, not just in terms of trading volumes, but now if we're seeing established financial institutions want to establish trading desks or offer services to their clients, the demand from them is probably going to have more of a significant impact or at least help the cause for everyone working or operating with the industry to, to encourage regulators to really, to really get moving and, uh, and, and put correct frameworks in place. Um, I mean, you mentioned that, so it sounds like there's, you know, that communication and dialogue is there in Singapore. Um, you know, we've seen the establishment of, um, some very solid and respectable trade associations, uh, representing the industry as a whole across jurisdiction. Do you sense that that dialogue is um, you know, ongoing and um, being you know, being considered at least so that all regulators are considering, especially in Europe um, and in the US, they're also considering the industry's voice? Uh,
1: so I, I, uh, I definitely think so. So there are a bunch of trade associations and they have members from the biggest crypto companies. Um, I, I think even regulators understand that it's more of a collaborative approach where they need to get the industry on board. How do you safely regulate it without completely stifling the industry out? And uh, they also intend to foster innovation in their particular geography rather than um, implementing something that's so archaic that it leads to a flight of companies uh, outside of their jurisdiction, right? So uh, that collaborative approach has definitely been happening. The only issue is that the cryptocurrency industry moves very quickly. So that that pace of development is something that uh, regulators have to constantly catch up with because every time they regulate something, a new uh, entity comes up and then that's again, like the flavor of the month. And uh, what do you do about that? Right? Yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that um, kind of brings us nicely onto our next talking point. Um, because I think it's, it's safe to say that with centralized exchanges, when regulators started looking over the fence to see what's going on, you know, um, there might be certain pieces of infrastructure that, um, uh, that that are required in traditional markets and might not have been in place within the crypto markets. But at least you had these very clearly identifiable uh, trading venues which were acting as on and off ramps into cryptocurrency. And uh, probably they felt, well, you know, over time we can bring in very similar regulations to to what we and apply similar regulations to what we have already. Um, but then, as you said, things move at light speed in crypto, and especially in terms of technical development. Uh, just in the last year alone, we've just seen this huge explosion around DeFi, uh, the idea of NFTs, um, where they might be, you know, questions uh, arising about where NFTs might sit in terms of how they're classified by regulators. Um, and uh, you know, as we start to set at the top of this conversation, uh, FATF, um, recently, the Financial Action Task Force, recently put out guidance and they're basically, you know, they, they put out guide, guidance for their members and regulatory members across the globe um, and they updated their guidance and specifically flagged um, DeFi and NFTs within that new proposed um, guidance that they'll be debating at the end of this month. So can you just give us an overview as a preview of that discussion, which we're gonna come back to in a few weeks um, of what the main highlights are in that new draft proposal from FATF and what needs to be th- we need to be thinking about in advance of that, that plenary at the end of the month.
1: Yeah, I, I think that um, the draft guidance was a great way for them to get feedback from the industry. Uh, they've, the FATF has actually expanded the scope of virtual assets. To clearly include uh, decentralized exchanges or DeFi companies, and uh, they've also mentioned I, that all this, all the AML CFT obligations of WASPs would um, also apply to DeFi companies, and in certain cases NFTs. I um, I think that's a very wise move. So currently, a lot of the DeFi industry is unregulated to a large extent. So um, the the founders are based somewhere, the team is distributed, and um, there's no clear understanding of which jurisdiction it should be regulated under. And uh, we do our own internal analysis as well in terms of how much, um, in terms of funds from criminal activity or even mixers flow into different entities. And we saw the shift where earlier, some of it would flow to fiat exchanges, then they started flowing to crypto to crypto exchanges as those got regulated now some of the payment processors and defi companies have started attracting these actors so in terms of timing it's perfect timing in that they were forward thinking and they wanted to regulate defi the problem with defi is unlike centralized exchanges um, they don't it's very difficult in terms from an enforcement perspective of how you want to regulate a defi company right? And even monitor them. It's a lot easier to do that with exchanges. Whereas um, once you start regulating DeFi companies, it would also become difficult for you to enforce like those regulations across different jurisdictions in DeFi. And uh, in terms of NFTs, again, like I think uh, we see this clearly across all industries, wherever there's like substantial amount of money flow, eventually criminals find a way. It becomes an avenue for them. Like, um, Art has been used in various money laundering strategies because of the um, peer-to-peer nature of a lot of art transactions. So you can see that getting transposed to the NFT space in the future, uh, especially as it becomes more mainstream and there's more liquidity and understanding. Currently, Bitcoin still has the major chunk of all criminal activity, but that's, that's more of an awareness issue as more and more criminals learn that how DeFi works or how NFTs work they would start migrating there because all the other entities are getting regulated. They can no longer use an exchange to launder their funds. So they'd start using these means. So, so how the, uh, you know, this new draft proposal, um, is, is laid out
0: if, if someone's developing, you know, open source software, which runs as a you know decentralized exchange, for example, um, Who's culpable for any kind of uh, you know illicit activity um, that's kind of uh, that's that happens on that network? I mean, is it literally a case of the developers have to be the ones monitoring the software that they are publishing?
1: So I I definitely think that this is um, I mean this that was just the guidance, and we will know in in the end of June what the actual uh, proposal that they put forth. And I think a lot of countries might adopt that approach where smart con- the smart contracts developers could potentially be held liable, but um, I- I'm still confused around whether they should be the ones because like currently in a, in a lot of use cases, it's um, literally the beneficiaries or the owners of a certain instrument that are considered liable. So should you consider the developers liable uh, in case a customer transacts with this protocol and they've transacted with a criminal, should you consider them liable? So should, like say, OTC traders that deal with DeFi pools also do their own AML checks when they transact with them, right? So uh, these things are still, um, in, in my mind, these are things that still need to be figured out in the DeFi space, which is why the enforcement is going to be a lot trickier, and especially when it operates um, in a cross-jurisdictional fashion. So how do you target regulatory arbitrage once you've enforced any of these requirements as well is mm-hmm. something to watch out for.
0: Yeah, and again, we mentioned, we discussed earlier about how exchange, centralized exchanges are now being much more proactive in making sure they're they're ahead of the regulatory curve. Um, and are we seeing, and we saw, I think there was a good example recently when there was, um, you know, the murmuring started around the requirements of, um, you know, VASPs having to, um, uh, you know, apply um, accountability for the travel rule. Uh, and a number of you know, the actors within the industry then started working together to set standards and provide you know, uh, published tools, which would allow them to, to comply with the travel rule, for example. Um, and I think we're seeing a little bit of that or the early signs of that in DeFi, that you know, um, developers of DeFi platforms know that there may, if it, again, if these platforms are going to scale and attract kind of wider, more professional or institutional adoption, yeah, there's going to at least they're going to have to at least provide modules which will allow them to conform. So maybe a KYC module which sits on top of, um, you know, the 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 decentralized exchange, which might be optional. Are you seeing any signs of that, and how that's already developing within the DeFi space?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of the larger DeFi protocols, like the ones which have like revealed the names of their founders, um, and want to go the regulated way are definitely considering a split between an unregulated and a regulated entity. So this is to provide more comfort, right? Like if they deal with financial institutions the financial institutions want to deal with their liquidity pool, uh, they need to have some controls and checks in place. And um, so far it's it's still been to a large extent proactive, but I, I think in, in this case, it it, it is definitely beneficial Uh, for them to think about it proactively and try and adopt some types of KYC checks. Um, Else, they could be held liable retrospectively as well. So um, it's not absolutely clear whether they're liable or not. So Mm -hmm. um, the sooner they do it, the better it is for these protocols. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, I think, come from financial services, even though they have technology backgrounds. So they understand that that's only going to be the next natural step in the evolution of that industry.
0: Yeah and I think it's important and and the hope is um, and you know it's fantastic that this you know the dialogue between the industry and the regulators is clearly taking place. From the regulators perspective you know they need to hopefully be able to recognize that um, it might still be early days but if allowed to evolve as people within the industry want it to, we could end up with a whole set of tools which vastly improve on what's available and possible within traditional financial markets in terms of transaction monitoring. Um, so do, do you sense that we, you know, is is there a real risk that regulators just come down too heavy handed, try and shoehorn existing rules and regulations into this nascent industry? Um, or do you think there will be that sort of, uh, they'll allow that room to breathe, and hopefully for the industry to to, to build better systems. Uh,
1: so the industry has actually grown very fast, where I, I think uh, now every financial institution is involved in cryptocurrencies, as we discussed before. So, uh, I mean, unfortunately, what it, it looks to me at least like most regulators would apply, say, similar laws or similar rules that they've applied to financial institutions across these uh, new cryptocurrency companies. So um, that's an unfortunate circumstance of the evolution of the industry, right? It would foster or it would hamper innovation to a certain extent at at the benefit of keeping customers safe or reducing the number of uh, harmful events that can potentially happen for the people. But um, yeah, like, un- while that is happening, I think the converse is also true as more and more of these traditional financial services regulations get applied to the cryptocurrency industry, more institutional interest is also developing rather than just retail interest. So I guess that's sort of the balance where it will stifle some of the non-compliant players in the shorter run, but longer run, there will be much more capital, much more serious interest towards this industry as well. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's, it's probably um, not only a challenge for regulators to keep on top of all of these innovations. I'm sure it keeps you awake at night as well, um, with uh, seeing kind of you know, uh, all of these new networks uh, kind of uh, materialise seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and you know, for Merkel firms such as Merkel Science, keeping on top of all of that innovation yourselves and making sure that you'll be able to you're able to expand. Um, your tools and services into these new markets. Um, if we look forward over the next year or two, um, and given you know what you work you're you're, you're doing as well, looking at the DeFi space, where do you see um, you know your part of the industry, or how do you see your part of the industry developing? And you know what are the tools that you will be um, offering out potentially to regulators to to help assist with their oversight um, in, in the in the years to come.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a great question. Uh, we we do always think that like tools or companies such as ours lag behind because there's so much progress. Criminals are always a step ahead of these reg tech tools. So um, we're always working towards the the latest problem statements in the industry and what's happening and where the criminals are migrating towards. Our long term mission is to create crypto create infrastructure that enables cryptocurrency companies to transcend and merge with the financial services industry. So uh, everything that we do, we focus, I mean, currently our focus is a lot more compliance-based, compliance and risk-based. So that's what we're looking at. In the near future, DeFi is definitely an interesting piece we've been working on. Uh, We did some analysis of DeFi liquidity pools out there. And I think Uh, You'll be seeing that in the future, there'll be an announcement from our end where um, customers or traders can get an idea of the risk profile of certain liquidity pools that they're using. I think um, another unique piece about us is that because a large portion of the tech team is from PayPal, we also apply behavioral analytics to a lot of our on-chain monitoring. So we don't just look at a database, say an address belongs to a darknet and that's suspicious we're also working on models to determine just on behavior whether an address is suspicious or not so based on their transaction volumes and frequency i think going ahead as privacy becomes inherent on blockchains the ml based or behavior rule engine based approach is going to become more and more important so that's that's a major piece of the direction we take right now as compared to a lot of the other players uh, so focusing a lot more on new opportunities as well as behavioral analytics on top of existing databases.
0: Yeah, no, that's all fascinating stuff. And it is going to be super interesting to see how, you know, all the industry as a whole kind of matures together. And, you know, I guess there's always going to be a game of cat and mouse uh, between, you know, the good guys and maybe the not so good guys. Uh, but you know, that's that's been the way of the world since uh, kind of trading and financial markets existed or, in, in the first place. So so look, we've got this, um, we're going to be coming back to this uh, later in the month. So thank you for giving us, joining us today and giving us this preview. Uh, and we'll certainly come back in a few weeks time and uh, and take a, a look at the results of that next FATF meeting um, and see what the industry needs to look out for. So thanks for joining us today, McGrank.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me, Paul. Um, I think all in all, it was great uh, great conversation and, um, I guess the takeaway is while regulations are coming, it's not all bad. Like longer term, it'll lead to just more institutional interest. So at least for us at Merkle Science, we are definitely more excited by it. And uh, it just signals that the industry is growing larger as such. Absolutely. Thanks again. Yeah. See you soon. Yeah.